Dennis Prager has dedicated his life to discovering truth and teaching that God most wants us to be good. But America has turned upside down because people can't speak truth. Dennis and I talked about many issues plaguing our current society, including pornography, the sexualization of our children, and our failing education system. If conservatives are just as bad as the left at ad hominem attacks, taking video clips out of context, and piling and turning on each other, how will we ever save America? This conversation has been 13 years in the making. It's a special one for me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the fact that you've interviewed me a bunch of times. That's right. And I've never interviewed you. It's a very interesting insight. So I get to ask uh, you anything. Anything. Absolutely anything. God, I've had you on my fireside chat. I've had you on my radio show. Yes. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Does it feel awkward? It, well, it feels a little stressful because I'm not going to do as good of a job as you do at oh, interviewing. Okay. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny. But I'm also a very curious cat, so I get to ask yes. whatever I want. By the way, I will tell you something I don't think a lot of people know. I take as much pride in my interviewing ability as my speaking ability, and I enjoy it as much. Hmm. If all I did was interview people who, from whom I could learn, I would be a very happy man. There's an art to it. Yeah. I'll just tell you, because this is what happens when you raise totally. any subject with me. I swear I, 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 I no, have no, no, planned it, I know. questions, it, but, it's this a is, real but now I want to know. Okay, so I'm interviewed a lot, uh, a few times a week, every week. And there are two types of interviewers, those who actually hear your answers and those who don't. Yeah. That's the division. Okay. And I, I can tell immediately which is which, because the ones that didn't hear a word I said have a list that their producer gave them. Yeah. So I could say, you know, I'm really feeling suicidal. And so what's your take on, on Donald Trump? <laughs> right. They yeah. have a list. It, right. It's irrelevant. Yeah, they're not yes. listening yes. to you. Right. right, right. Oh my gosh, well, I better not do that. I, I don't, I'm not afraid of that. I don't think you'll do that, yeah. Just. I actually want to ask you about a whole bunch of things, but I want to start by talking about why we're here, PragerU. The reason we founded PragerU is because you have been teaching essentially ethical monotheism, right? Almost everything comes down to this core idea of ethical monotheism. And anybody that hasn't listened to you may not know what this means. So why don't we start with that? We're here at PragerU. We're all about ethical monotheism. It came from you. Can you explain it? Oh yeah, I spent a, I've spent a lifetime explaining it. Essentially, God wants us to be good. You can actually distill it down to to one sentence. More than anything else, it's not the only thing God wants, but that is the thing God most wants is that his creatures treat each other well. I have a very good analogy for that. You're a parent, I'm a parent. And even people who are listening or watching and they're not parents they probably know this as the children of parents, but most parents, healthy parents are, are happier when their kids love each other and treat each other lovingly, mm -hmm. even than how they treat them. My mother till she died at 89 would say to me when I'd call her and I called her every single week of, of my life when I left uh, my parents' house at 21, she would say, so, uh, have you talked to Kenny? Mm. The, the, it was the uppermost concern. 
did I speak recently to my brother, her other son? And uh, we are God's children. So what, what would he care more than how his children treat each other? That's why, by the way, I, I think God is sad a lot of the time. I know this sounds odd to people, but I can't imagine that he's not. I mean, there was actually a verse in the Bible that God got very sad to his heart when he saw how people treated each other. And then you have the Noah flood story. Mm. So yes, the thing God most wants is that we be good. That's the essence of ethical monotheism. It was a radical innovation of the Bible, specifically the Torah, the first five books. No pagan God was preoccupied with the goodness of humanity. Mm. Every, every society, I'll end with this, every society had a flood story. Every society we know of in the ancient world. But only the biblical flood story was the person whom the gods saved, in this case, the God, singular, good. Noah was saved because he was good. All the others were saved because they were handsome or because they could give the gods some, some favor. The radical innovation is God wants us to be good. And that's why, by the way, I've brought vast numbers of people. It's my greatest source of pride to, to religion. But I don't care if it's Protestantism, Catholicism, LDS, Judaism, and I'm a religious Jew. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to bring people to the God of the Bible, specifically the Ten Commandments. You know, we have PragerU videos on the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Seen many, many millions of times. Sure. One of the highlights of my life was going to speak in Romania and seeing my little book on the Ten Commandments in Romanian. Mm. I thought, oh, good. I'm making a little headway. I know you're always preoccupied with goodness. One of our you know, great disappointments with America's education system is that not only is it not teaching kids what they need to learn academically, but it's also not teaching morality. And now we're a few years later into really our education system ruining America, we're seeing the results of that where I don't think most kids even know how to think morally anymore or where to seek morality anymore. I don't, they seek it from from the internet, from social media. And so something that I, I've been wondering recently is that, you know, it's it's hard looking at America right now without criticism. You know, I love this country, Dennis, and I still think it's the greatest country on God's green earth. I really do. But is America still a city upon a hill? For the first time in my life, and I said this on my radio show, I did not root for an American team in a world competition. I rooted against the women's soccer team. If they're not prepared to honor America just to even sing the national anthem, why would I root for them? They don't root for us. I won't root for them. It was painful not to root for an American team. Mm. This country is, a, is deeply divided. I wrote 20 years ago, we were in a civil war. And I said, I pray it stays nonviolent. And I still pray that. But if you think that America is systemically racist, if you think that America was this great innovator of slavery and, and racism and, uh, inequity and all these other vices, all these other horrors. If you can actually say to kids, all whites are racist, 
the moment you say all, you're a bigot. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are now entering the realm of a bad, bad, bad human being. Can you say all of any group is anything? One of the, the books besides the Bible that most influenced me in my life was Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychoanalyst who went through the Holocaust. Family members were murdered. He, he somehow survived. And he was asked, it's in his book, do you hate the German race? Because they use the word race loosely, mm-hmm. loosely then. Do you hate the German race? His answer is the motto of my life. No, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. That is my animating impulse. If somebody would have said to me as a kid, all Germans are Nazis, I hope I would have said, what are you talking about? Even then, even as a Jew, even a few years after the Holocaust, that would have been a vile statement and a lie. All whites are racist. The proof of how sick the education system is our video with Candace Owens, A Short History of Slavery. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this. It's, it's like had a new life, that video. Yeah. And there are young black podcasters showing the video and their reaction in real time. It is, it, everyone watching us should watch these. And, and they're all going individually. These are not together. What? I never learned that. I can't believe it. Is that true? America America didn't create slavery. Whites didn't create slavery. Whites, in fact, abolished slavery before anybody else. And to their great credit, black podcasters are saying, why didn't I ever learn this? Mm-hmm. You give the example of, of, of basically critical race theory taught in schools. But for the first time, when I travel the world, I have a little bit of an embarrassment when I think about America telling kids that they should choose their gender at age seven and mutilate themselves. And it just, it does seem like this is an idea that is being pushed by big companies here in the United States, right? You look at Budweiser and Target and, you know, I can the list the Disney and the list goes on and on. And we have that impact on the world. Harry's razor. Harry's razor. I mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. I, I, I want to so badly hold on to this idea that we're still a city upon a hill. But when we have an education system that is so corrupt and, and we're actually not protecting kids, we're, they're attacking kids. They're attacking kids with these horrendous ideas. How do we remain proud to be American? The first thing we all have to do is be honest. The U.S. is the greatest exporter of toxic ideas in the world today. Communist China is an evil regime. All communist regimes are evil. But they're not an exporter of ideas, although they they export TikTok, which is ruining vast numbers of kids. But that's a separate issue. But in terms of, of toxic ideas, we are the greatest exporter of them. Having said that, we're also the greatest exporter of good ideas. The great battle for the future of Western civilization and therefore humanity is taking place in the United States of America at this time. Because the the greatest amount of bad ideas are coming from here and the greatest amount of good ideas. There is no PragerU 
There was no TPUSA. There was no Daily Wire. There were no all American greatness and all of these great websites in Europe or, or let alone Asia or Africa or South America, like there are in the United States. We have an enormous pushback against these toxic ideas. In Europe, they have basically closed down these uh, clinics to remove girls' breasts because she says she's a boy at 18 years of age. As I've said, who, who are these people to condemn Muslims who practice clitoridectomies? The, the, the surgical removal, not even always with surgery, of, of a girl's clitoris. Why, why are these hospitals, why is Boston Children's Hospital or almost any of the children's hospitals on a higher moral level than those people when they cut boys' penises off because he says he's a girl or, or a girl's breasts off because she says she's a boy? This is sick stuff. I wrote a book on American values. God, it's more relevant than ever. Why, the, why they should spread around the world called Still the Best Hope. American values. E pluribus unum, liberty, and God we trust. It is the greatest national trinity in human history. It's why it's so important that we we teach these values and these yeah. ideas and why this battle that we're dealing with now in, in the realm of education could not be more important. That's right. So we talk about bad ideas. I want to talk about pornography. Mm -hmm. You know, it's become a major issue in America. One of the things that really concerns me as a parent, as an educator, is that prepubescent kids have access to phones and iPads, and they are accessing places like Pornhub. They're seeing things that are just horrific. I mean, the impact on these children is is uh, is very, very scary. Also, places like Pornhub and those other platforms purposefully create addicting algorithms in order for both children and, and grownups and adults to continuously come back and consume the content. And it has had a terrible impact both on children and adults. I know people who are grown up who have become addicted to it. And it has really hurt them and their relationships in so many ways. And that's why my position is that porn is terrible and dangerous. And so people are talking about pornography a lot these days. It's become a big topic of conversation, and I know you've been involved in it too. I want you to react to some of the things that I said and, and share some of your own thoughts about pornography. So I'm going to tell you a story that I've told on the radio a number of times that had a big impact on me. I, I know a young woman in her, in her early 20s. She's, she's a remarkable young woman, and she told me that on a date, she got... Uh, she liked the guy and he liked her and they kissed and he, he grabbed her neck and she, she, it was obvious he wasn't going to strangle her. She had no fear of that, but she looked at him. She removed his hand and said, I'm just curious. Why did you do that? And he said, I thought you'd like it. And she said, why did you think I would like it? Because that's what I see on the internet. Mm. I think that story sort of exemplifies the problem as good as any story I, I, ha I have ever been privy to. That people are learning at a young age, this is what male-female relations are about, sexual relations in particular. It, it's, uh, it's a crisis. There's, there's no question. 
that uh, it is, look, my belief, if all pornography disappeared tomorrow, it would be a much better world. Uh, So it's a big problem in America, especially the ages at which kids can access this. I was asked about this by uh, Jordan Peterson in in the, uh, doing the Exodus on Daily Wire. Out of nowhere, uh, truly, we were talking about the book of Exodus, and I was talking about how uh, there might be a Jewish-Christian difference in that Judaism generally believes that sins are actions and doesn't concentrate on sins of thought, the Tenth Commandment notwithstanding. And I explained that in my Bible commentary. So he said, so what about pornography? And it was obvious to me and to all the Christians at the table and all the scholars at the table for the Daily Wire uh, exploration of the book of Exodus, he was really asking, is that a sin of thought if a man looks at sexual pictures? It never occurred to me he's asking my stance on pornography. So I answered that I don't want every wife who, who knows who discovers anything on her husband's computer to think she's married to a a, a bad man. I am most interested in keeping couples together. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I answered what I answered, uh, an answer, which is normative. There's a, an, a medieval Jewish book called Sefer Chassidim, which says exactly what I said. It's better that a man in, you know, take care of himself then commit adultery. Mm-hmm. That's all I was saying. As in like masturbation? Yes, masturbation. That's exactly right, which is not prohibited in the Bible. The story of Onan has nothing to do with masturbation. Mm-hmm. That's it. My position on pornography is your position. So we agree. Porn is dangerous. I, I, I'll tell you what bothered me because it, it became went viral for a while, as did uh, a, a recent uh, response to, uh, what is it, animated, where, where people so to speak, draw animation of child porn, which I'll get to in a minute. I realized something which bothered me more than almost anything. There are many people on our side who play gotcha, Mm -hmm. just as the left does. I'm attacked constantly by the left. PragerU is constantly attacked. What do they do? They take a snippet and say, look, that's their position. Like the Christopher Columbus video, Mm where we have Columbus say, oh, slavery, it's no big deal. Because in the 15th century, it was no big deal. Right. We're and honest and to the figure. And, and then in 10 seconds later, they say, well, we came from the future. And they abolished it. And he goes, great. They never play that. Right. This gotcha game, it is depressing to me if my side does it too. You take 15 seconds and that is the entirety of... Of, of a man's work in life, of a man's position on a whole subject. Hmm. You know how much pressure I was under by Jewish conservatives to condemn Candace Owens because she didn't condemn Kanye West for his anti-Semitic comments. And you know what I did? I didn't condemn her. I called her up. I said, tell me what you think, what's going on. And then I wrote a completely balanced column. About the truth. Yes. If we start tearing down our own on, on 20 second snippets, we will have nobody left on our side. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm disappointed, I, I have to say, in the reaction. Kitty porn, can anybody normal think that I think anything other than it is the quintessence of evil? 
I, I every day, every day talk about preserving children's innocence and not having them go to uh, a drag queen story hours and I'm going to defend kiddie porn. But I was not asked about, I was asked, is it evil if a man who by definition is profoundly sick, obviously any man who, who was into that, but if he's watching animated characters and not real children, is it evil? I said, no, that's not evil. It's very sick. It's, it's pathologic. I don't think these people are curable. I actually think that anyone involved in kitty porn, making it or watching it, should be castrated. Okay, can I, can I get more definitive than that? But I wasn't asked that. I answer what I'm asked. The, the left did this to me on the N-word. Mm-hmm. I said on my radio show, I think it's ridiculous that you can never say the N-word. You can say kike, which is the N-word about Jews. And I said the word kike on the radio because I was quoting Truman. I was talking about Truman and, and the way he used the N-word and, and, and kike in, in his letters home. And yet he was a good man. And I, I'm saying that as a Jew. Mm-hmm. And so the left goes, Dennis Prager. Oh, it's all over the place. Dennis Prager thinks we should all be saying the N-word. When the right or when my brothers in Christendom do the same thing, this is a very sad uh, a development that people, first of all, don't give somebody that they know is on their side the benefit of the doubt. Wait a minute. What is his position? Well, maybe not just on their side, but people who actually know you and that yes. you, you really dedicate your life to protecting kids. Right. L- let me say from the outset, Eric Metaxas, for example, just went out and, and defended me. And mm-hmm. uh, there, are ma- there are very few major Christians who, who have, uh, I don't think there are any actually, mm-hmm. who joined the bandwagon. But uh, nevertheless, th- there are folks on our side who did. It's much more painful when your when your friends or your allies disappoint you, my enemies can't disappoint me. Mm-hmm. The left can't disappoint me. The right can disappoint me. Mm-hmm. I think anybody that truly is willing to be honest about what you advocate for and what you stand for would understand that you had a philosophical conversation, both yes. with Jordan Peterson yes, and with right. this other guy. That's right. And it was about the term evil, but it doesn't mean that you said that it's not bad or abhorrent or, or, or an pro, aberration or, or, or disgusting, yes, yes. right? You were having a philosophical That's why debate. nobody at the table objected. Jordan himself said, oh, so you regard it in, in, in a way that, that people would regard drinking. He understood it was philosophical. Yeah. And, and, and it took two minutes. Right. Because it should be just as simple as people understanding that you might apply the word evil to a certain category, like when the way you, Jews When you do, spend um, your life studying gulag, Auschwitz, genocide, mass rape and torture, you, you, you don't like to use the word evil loosely. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I stand by that. But you still stand by the fact that people who Kitty are- porn is evil, including artificial intelligence pornography, it, that it's sick is a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have asked uh, a number of close psychiatrists. Everyone answered my question, are these people curable? And I am sad to say that they all said no. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very, very depressing part of the human species that there are people who are attracted to prepubescent children. Mm-hmm. 
You know, the other thing I was thinking about, you know how marijuana has become more potent? Yes, more, that's and, right. And, and, that's a factor and, too. Right. With years as they started developing new technologies to actually make it, you know, more potent and yet also more harmful. Pornography has developed in that way too. It has be become more addicting, more harmful, more right. disgusting. If you'd have said pornography to me, when I grew up, I'd have thought Playboy magazine. Which is basically like a Victoria Secret uh, that, magazine that, that, right now that you right. can find in every inbox. That, and, you know. Yes, that's exactly right. But now pornography is another level. And so I think, like, to me, one of the, my, one of the questions I have for you is for a couple that, you know, has been married for a while, you bring up the issue of, of you know, partnership. And, and I understand that there might be multiple sides to it, but... There is so much danger in internet pornography that people who start consuming internet pornography on a regular basis and at the volume at which these porn hubs and other internet companies create this addiction, it, it, it hurts marriages too. I know several people who, you know, couldn't be with their wives anymore because they become, they, they become so addicted to being alone in this virtual universe, you know, that too is, is, is dangerous and bad. So you, you're raising a good question. On my male-female hour, where I, my object is to have couples love each other more, that's understand each other. And so periodically a woman will call me and she will say, this is what, and, and, and this is ex almost word for word what I said to Jordan Peterson in the Exodus seminar, because I wasn't talking about pornography. I was talking about my attempt to keep couples together. Mm -hmm. So a wife calls me and she says, and this ha it happens. I found stuff on my husband's computer. And I don't ask her what stuff. I, maybe I should. I'm just assume sexual imagery. Dennis, how should I react? And I, so my first question is, how was your love life with your husband? How was your sex life? And invariably, they answer, it, 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 it's, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. And your love life, perfectly fine. We love each other. Everything's fine. So what I say is, when it's a substitute for your wife, it's, it's awful. That's the word I used. When it's a substitute for adultery, it's not awful. So this, it went ballistic. Mm. All I'm trying to do is is not have every wife who who discovers that her husband has masturbated is now frightened this is the end of our marriage mm -hmm. so i even asked this catholic man with whom i had a, a long dialogue who said masturbation is evil i don't believe that i don't believe the bible believes that i don't believe god believes that okay look i my bible commentary is called the rational bible because I believe we need God and reason to be good people. Mm -hmm. Reason without God doesn't work, and God without reason doesn't work. A lot of people have left religion because God is depicted as irrational and mean. I'm not going to defend meanness to, to be more popular. You know, when you, when you speak about this stuff, there's a word that comes to my mind in Hebrew, chesed, grace. Yes. And I think all around our society could use a lot more of that. 
You got to learn how to extend chesed and grace towards yourself so that you are allowed to make mistakes, so that you have the courage to keep going. And you have to learn how to extend grace, chesed to your spouse and your partners. And you can only do that when you have the bigger picture, right? And so we can take these two extreme examples of couples that have been driven apart because of pornography, because one of them has lost interest in being with their spouse. That's a tragedy. That's terrible. It's terrible, right? right? And pornography, which has led to that, has been a horrible thing. It's, it's, it's abhorrent. But should we tell a wife that her spouse is evil for watching pornography or masturbating and encourage her what? To divorce? Obviously, no. But that's what critical thinking and big picture requires. And you can, you can only do that when you have grace and chesed. Because if you're so harsh and you just put everybody in a box, and I'm not saying not to have standards. You know, we're both saying child pornography is disgusting. Well, it's, I mean, it's, pure evil. it's completely evil. And and allowing children to be sexualized at early ages and, and all of that, you know, I want to say that it should be obvious, but clearly people need to hear us say that. It is, it's absolutely disgusting. But I also think that the reason people come closer to religion is because they feel like there is grace there. That has been the case for me. You know, I I went to a college in the United States of America. I came out just as atheist as many others have come out. I, I thought that religion was overwhelming. I thought the religion was judgmental. I thought that there was no room for me because it was an all or nothing deal. And what changed it for me were people like you. Well, actually you. Because I realized that there is grace. There is chesed. There's room to grow closer to my walk with God. And there wasn't all this judgment. And I don't think it's a surprise why you're you're probably the person that has brought the most number of people to faith in America, at least the one that I know. And I do a lot of number stuff online. I mean, millions of people have found religion and ethical monotheism thanks to you because of your grace, because of your chesed, because you're not overwhelming. At the end of the day, if our goal is to bring more young people and more families into faith because it's such a beautiful existence, you know, maybe all of us need to learn how just how to extend more grace. It's very, very hard not to be a fanatic. When uh, when the Daily Wire people heard about this controversy, begun by a, a trailer that Daily Wire put out from with my oh, Exodus teaching with with Jordan Peterson, <laughs> Jeremy Boring, who who is a former pastor, is a committed Christian. Mm-hmm. He he uh, had a great line. He said, "We are in a purity death spiral." Mm-hmm. Pe- people should understand it's not just the left that believes it's that it's most fanatical or it's best. Mm-hmm. Almost every movement can be uh, captured by its most fanatical because they're always purer. There is no, there's no leeway. So on the left, it's not, it's not enough that you say gay people are created in God's image I honor my fellow citizen who is gay. I treat them just as anybody else. That's not enough. You must celebrate 
LGBTQIA+. It is not enough to accept and treat decently. You must celebrate. It is not enough not to be a racist. You have to join the, the fanatics of the Black Lives Matter movement. Otherwise, you're a racist. You mentioned this idea of taking things out of context. Uh, I've experienced it myself, mostly from the left, but both sides. Um, you know, I think that it is very upsetting when folks on our side take our things out of context in the way that has been done to you. But I also think that if we're really honest, it is upsetting when folks on our side take, take things out of context on the left side, too. That's right. I want honesty. I want honesty. I don't care about the sides. Just stop. Right. I don't want the if, truth if shall I'm set you free. Yes. If yes. I'm following your media company or your news feed, you need to build trust with me. So I believe what you have to say, because God knows I have no trust in the media anymore. And so even when folks on the right will clip things of the left that are, you know, mid sentence and, and therefore misconstrued, I think that's a problem too. The left does it all day long. I'm very familiar with it. I, I don't think that anything I say is going to change the folks who are on the left. But people who do follow us, I do hope that they learn from us that it's not only that you should not clip things on the right that can be misconstrued. It's also things on mm -hmm. the left. Let's just let's be that organization. Let's be that movement. Let's be the, the conservative idea ideology that actually seeks truth, let's become obsessed with truth. Because if we can't apply it mm -hmm. on our own daily basis to ourselves, including about our the folks on the other side, then, then we'll lose the argument too. And you know what? We have plenty to win on, plenty good arguments to win on. So, you know, I think the this environment that maybe, maybe it's social media that has created it, the ad hominem attacks, the out of context, the got you moments, you know, somebody just has to shout out and just say enough. Well, I've been broadcasting for 40 years. Every time I see a leftist attacked for a comment, I look it up. And I don't believe once in 40 years I have misconstrued a leftist comments for that reason. I want to see the source. I want to see the context. That's what you need, source and context. Mm -hmm. I can only say we're lucky to have you that you're obsessed with truth. It's just, that's Prager you. If that's all people know about us, we're obsessed with the truth, that's enough. Well, can I challenge you to a fun game? Yeah. Okay, well. Why, this hasn't been fun? <laughs> this is even more fun. Okay, these are questions that I've actually collected over the years. This has been 13 years in the making. Questions that I want to ask you. Uh, but the reason this is fun is because it's challenging. Okay. It's called my one sentence answer oh, game. Oh God, I am so. Which is, I know. I mean, you're answer. you're oh, an intellectual okay. giant. Oh, How does one okay. ask an intellectual giant yeah, okay. to answer? Right. Okay, if you really need, you can give me two sentences. Okay, okay. All right, uh, are you, you ready to go? It. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be this is going to be really fun. Yeah. Name an important contemporary book people should read. Okay. I'm I'm really stuck already, and I'll tell you why. Because there there are so many wonderful books. I just read Christopher Rufo's book; it's fantastic, for example. But it's not. I promise, it's not self-serving. I really believe if people read my Bible commentary, it will change their life. 
the Rational Bible. There are three volumes out. Fourth is coming out next year. Okay. Does anything keep you up at night? No. <laughs> I God has blessed me with the ability upon seeing the pillow. I have already half asleep. <laughs> A picture of a pillow. I've seen you induces, fall asleep. Uh, in, sitting in the, up. Yes, the yes. only thing I can't fall asleep is standing up. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, and it's a blessing because I travel so much. Okay. Right. Uh, but if, if you mean it figuratively, yes. I'll tell you what keeps me up at night. Figuratively. Uh, I'm, I am worried about the, the United States of America. The assault on free speech, which is the most important freedom that the human species have, because you lose your humanity if you can't speak your mind. Yeah. You, you, have, you have been reduced to an animal. Right. And uh, the assault, and wherever the left has taken over in history, anywhere, they suppress dissent. There is no example. Liberals allow dissent. Conservatives allow dissent. But the left has never. That keeps me up at night. The, uh, the end of marriage for so many people keeps me up at night. Uh, the, uh, the end of religion in the West keeps me up at night. Everybody points to Roe v. Wade as the, the, the turning point. The turning point was in 1962. You can't say in class, God bless my teachers. That's basically what they said. And, and the Supreme Court ruled that that was unconstitutional. As I have said for all of my life, Within one generation, American kids went from blessing their teachers to cursing their teachers. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something to stay up. I feel yeah, like we have the same right. things. What's one thing that most people think is true, but you think isn't? Most people think people are basically good. It's one of the most foolish and dangerous beliefs a human being can hold. We're not basically evil, but we're not basically good. And... Uh, since Rousseau, the, the West has adopted his views and the rest has been calamity. So we don't blame evil on people. We blame it on racism and on poverty. The producer of evil is the individual. What's something you changed your mind on? Yes, there, it's funny. The, uh, I was just uh, thinking about that. I, I think I've had a romantic view of Americans all of my life. And I have a less romantic view. If half my country can vote for people who believe in defunding police, who believe that all whites are racist, who uh, believe that we can pass on an uh, unsupportable amount of debt to the next generation. I've not only loved America and the American idea, I've been a big fan of Americans. I mean, every group has bad people, every group has good people, but still, and by the way, I, I still believe Americans are among the friendliest people in the world, but I do believe the left has made people worse. I, uh, I, I changed early on when I became a Republican, it was under Ronald Reagan, and he changed my mind in one sentence. People who say, oh, five-minute videos, you're going to change minds? Of course we do. Ronald Reagan needed 10 seconds to change my mind. The government is not the solution, it's the problem. And I thought, oh my God, he's right. He didn't even know how right he was. He thought of it in terms of big government financially mm -hmm. and in terms of power. But I was a student of evil all of my life. I, my, I was at the Russian Institute at Columbia studying communism. And of course, as a Jew, I 
writing about anti-Semitism, wrote a book on it. I know about Nazism. All the genocides of the 20th century were done by big governments. The bigger the government, the greater the likelihood of staggering amounts of evil. That is why the giants, the greatest people of the last 2,000 years, the founders of the United States, didn't trust big government. People don't understand how brilliant that insight was. That power to the state must end up with horrible results. Must. Unless you believe people are basically good, you give them all that power to have government and the state at their control and good will come out of it. So that was a huge change. Were you a liberal before? Yeah, I'm a liberal now. That's the irony. I ask people who knew me when I was in high school or college, tell me one value I have changed now that I am called a prominent conservative. Tell me one. The guardians of liberalism are conservatives. Mm -hmm. Liberals are the tragedy of America. The left vote their values. The right vote their values. The liberal votes other values. They don't vote their values. If liberals voted their values, they'd vote for conservatives. What's something that's most misunderstood about you? I don't know. That's a good good question. I don't know what people misunderstand about me. I'm so out there. I'm so open. And sometimes I get in trouble for it because I can't can't fake an answer. I I just can't. I I don't think like a politician. I'm not saying politicians are bad, but a politician has to think, will my answer get me votes or lose me votes? Yeah. I've never thought. I can't think that way. I can only think, what is the truth as as I, as best as I can understand it. And, and so a guy called me, this was, this was a great moment. Guy called my radio show. It was Dennis. I got the perfect word to describe you. And I'm thinking, Oh God, <laughs> what is this guy going to come out with? Does he hate me or love me? And the guy goes, Dennis, you are transparent. And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to be is transparent. That's why I can't answer what is misunderstood about me. I really don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Name a Bible story that speaks to you to mo- the most. Well, I, I will answer you. I'll just tell you why am I devoting the last 10 years and really the last 40 to teaching the first five books, which are the basis of both the Old and New Testaments? Because they all speak to me. Yeah. Balaam's donkey unbelievably speaks to me. People think, what the hell is that, that doing is in so there? Weird. A talking the donkey. Story. Oh, I, I, I have so much to say about it. And I do. And in the next volume of the, the fourth volume of my five volume commentary, the immediate response would be the creation story. Hmm. As I say, I think the most important verse in the Bible is Genesis 1.1. And God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Because if you don't, if you don't accept one one, <laughs> put it down. <laughs> even though there's wisdom for anybody, even an atheist in the Bible, but everything everything is predicated on there's a God who created this this universe. Mm-hmm. A, another story is the story of our time, and it's the story of a man named Korah uh, who uh, rebels against Moses, and his line is, 
Who the hell are you, Moses, to think you're better than any of us? We're all holy. He was the first leftist. Mm. We're all holy. Mm. Nobody's better than anyone else. We're all holy. Equity. Equity. Yes, he's Mr. Equity. The inventor of equity. Yeah. And he was swallowed by the ground. He was swallowed by the earth, and uh, uh, I'm on God's side on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anybody listening to this would guess where I'm at. Yeah. Do you believe in divine intervention? Well, I certainly, I do believe that God split the sea, took the Hebrews out of of Egypt. But in our daily lives, that's not language that I use. Many, many of, of my, the people I most love will speak about God's working in their life. And I never dispute them, not only not to them, I don't dispute them within me. Who am I to say God didn't work in their life? I don't know the answer to that question. But I do have this answer. Because uh, same when, when people petition God. Uh, I, I, this is my true, my true attitude. I am infinitely more interested in what God wants from me than in what I want from God. That's how I'd live my life. God, what do you want from me? That's why I'm crazy about the Bible, especially the first five books, because that, that's God talking to me. Not, God doesn't talk to me on a daily basis. God talks to me whenever I pick up those books. Well, that's a really good way to end this conversation. There's no good way to end this conversation. I know. We could probably continue and keep going. But um, no, it was very helpful to me. I'm glad I get to ask you some of those questions. Maybe we'll do it again one time. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis.